You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Net Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, every once in a while, you get in a situation where there is just so much to say, I don't even know where to start, and that's kind of where we're at right now. I could easily do a full episode on each individual player, just staying focused on that player, without any comment about, um, for example, Packer fans' reactions. Any comment about the the bigger picture, any comment about the fact that we have another draft coming up, which is worth talking about. I don't know how to handle this. We have to cover the second round some point today on this podcast. So I'm going to have to do my best to be brief, but let me at least start with this. Big shout out to everybody that joined us on the stream. Big shout out to everybody that was on the stream. That did not go how I pictured that at all. And um, kind of basically just called an audible and threw my hands up and just let the floodgates open because my vision for it was me, JJ, and Clayton kind of running the ship and we bring in guests. So Sam would come in. um, He was going to come in for the second half. I was like, all right, I guess that's not really what I was planning, but that could work. Coach would kind of like pop in, you know, once in a while. Didn't want to like keep him, but he can kind of come in. I didn't know if it was going to be like after we pick somebody or, and then he kind of like, you know, everybody would make an offensive line comment. He was just hanging out. He wanted to come in. I'm like, well, this is kind of cool, but it kind of feels rude to keep kicking him out too. But, you know, I don't know. And then other people started showing up and it's like, I don't know how to like just ask them to leave. And it's like, well, I guess, I guess everybody could just stay. Should, can we do a stream that's coherent with like eight guys on at the same time? And then there was the issue of JJ having the pick 20 minutes before everybody and me having the pick five minutes after everybody and wanting to actually watch the pick. Um, and eventually I just had to give that up. I lost that battle early. Everybody wanted JJ just to announce it. And it turned out it was great. JJ is now officially a legend. If you search um, draft Twitter, there are whispers in dark corners of Twitter about a, 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 the legend of JJ, the man who has the pick before ESPN, CBS, <laughs> before everybody in the world. There are comments everywhere. Our entire stream was 50%. How the heck are you guys getting these picks so fast? Um, JJ's just sending me screenshots of people saying, dude, how is he getting these picks? So it was fun, man. We we, we had a blast. If you, if you can join us today, um, somehow I had a bunch of comments saying, I didn't know you were streaming. I mean, I've been telling, we've been telling you guys about the stream. I told you to go subscribe over on YouTube so you would see the notification. I told you to go join on Facebook. I also had people tell me, hey, I didn't know there was a stream on Twitter. I s- literally streamed it on Twitter. <laughs> it's right there on Twitter. So I tried to make it as obvious and accessible as possible, and some people still didn't know. So I'm telling you again, we're doing it again. I don't know who can show up and who can't or exactly how it's going to go. Um, but 
I had a lot of fun, and I think it's going to be another fun day of um, just just kind of nonsense. That's that's largely what it was. I mean, it was it was it was kind of just silly. I think some people were kind of annoyed because they wanted it to be a very serious draft stream. Um, it got serious at at moments, but it was mostly just complete ridiculous debauchery, and I enjoyed that. So, anyways, um, again, not how I pictured that, but it gave me got me excited for the future because. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more video content coming in in the near future, but we got to we got to start digging in here, um, and I got to figure out again how do we keep this concise because I cannot do a three hour stream here or, or podcast here today. <sighs> let's let's just start with the prospects, okay? Let's start with just looking at the people and leave all the other stuff out. Quay Walker was the pick at 22. As we mentioned on the stream, this is the Packers pick. And it's funny because I kept asking that question, who is the Packers pick? Because ultimately what that means is the Packers are going to pick somebody that is a second-round prospect, right? Granted, um, he's going to be very athletic. He's going to be somebody that we all said we should have seen that coming, but we didn't see it coming. And you know what's hilarious about this? Quay Walker checks all those boxes, and I was exactly right because still – even though we've been asking this question forever, we've been saying it forever. I've been asking forever, who's the guy? Who's the guy? Quay Walker makes a mu- massive amount of sense. And the funny thing is, if you look at um, at Quay Walker, he has been flying up the boards. And I think maybe we just have stopped paying attention to this. He was the consensus 49 overall pick. That's almost exactly where um, Eric Stokes was last year. I think he was like 46. So Quay Walker has, I mean, if you look at um, February, he was ranked 144th. And as of right now, he is ranked 49th. So it's also very similar to like Jair Alexander, where the, the funny thing about Jair was he had such a meteoric rise like in the last week before the draft. You had some people who were paying attention and were aware of his rise and some people who were talking about it for a long time that are right now. I mean, if you go online, you'll have some people actually giving really good grades to the, I just saw on Twitter or, or excuse me, not on Twitter on, um, on YouTube, CBS actually gave them really good grades. And I was kind of stunned by that. I saw, um, who's the, let me check real quick. Cause I saved it. Somebody that kind of surprised me was really impressed with the Packers draft. Obviously, some people are dragging them. But that's the funny thing is, depending on if you've been paying attention, you're thinking either Quay Walker is a late second-round pick, like the fourth, fifth, sixth best linebacker available. He's a bum. This doesn't make sense. But the people who have been saying for a while, and again, for the last week, some people have been screaming, Quay Walker is the best linebacker in this draft. He's going to go in the first round. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Those people are not shocked. I'm shocked because I haven't been listening. I've been tuning it out because I don't care. We're not taking a linebacker is, is what my mind is thinking. So I, you know, okay, somebody might take Quay Walker in the first, like, I don't, that's not interesting to me. Again, I'm an idiot. I'm not paying attention. The, he checked all the boxes. It was being screamed in my face. This is the guy. And I wasn't paying attention. And, and that's the first message I have for Packer fans. Now, please hear me when I say he's Jair Alexander. I'm not saying he's Jair Alexander in terms of he's going to be that good. All I'm saying is it's a similar situation. This is a guy that was underrated that I think started to get leaked the last few minutes that teams were really, 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 really high on this guy. Actually, you know who else fits this mold? Darnell Savage. 
Um, actually, I think Stokes might have been similar. I think Stokes was another guy that you started hearing last minute. Teams are really, really high. I almost wonder if it's just the Packers. I wonder if like last week there's somebody in the organization that's just like starts leaking like crazy because there seems to be a correlate. This is something you have to remind me because I will forget. I promise you I'll forget, but you guys have memories and I don't. You have to, have to, have to remind me, please. The last week or two of the draft, we're going to hear about guys that are flying up the boards from like third round, late second round, that are potentially first round picks. They're probably defense and they're extremely athletic. Those are the guys we're looking at. That's, that is our number one target. Remind me. Because I'm dead serious. I, I know Savage was that guy. I think Stokes was that guy. I know Jair was that guy. Yeah, look at this. I went back and looked at Eric Stokes and his um, draft whatever. He was projected 46 overall. Earlier that month, May 5th, he was projected 152nd. He jumped from 152nd, January, February, March, April 5th. By April 13th, he was ranked 56th, and he ended up 46th. He had a meteoric rise out of... The guy was a nothing, nowhere, nobody cared. In the last three weeks, all of a sudden, dude, this Stokes guy is a freak, and we drafted him in the first round. Darnell Savage, similarly, his overall projection was in the 40s. He was 41 overall by the time the draft happened. You know where he was early March? 133rd overall. He went from 133rd by um, March, let's see, um, March 12th, he jumped to 82nd. Um, By April 1st, he was 71st, and he ended up 41st. The last, we're talking the last month. So two, uh, let's see, a month and a half, less than two months prior, he was 133rd overall. We've been missing this. Um, Check this out. (laughs) Do you know where um, Rashawn Gary ranked as of uh, April 5th? 39th overall. Rashawn Gary. Now, granted, he had fallen because he was sitting up in like 10th overall, 10th overall, whatever. He plummeted to 39th. He was 39th. Then he went up to 37th. Then on April 13th, he was 24th. Then on April 17th, he was 19th. And then the very last day, April 25th, he jumped up to 16th before we took him. So for some reason, he completely plummeted. I don't exactly know what happened. He went from like 10th overall, he plummeted, and then he spiked back up. So he kind of doesn't fit the mold, but every single first-round pick, with the exception of Jordan Love, who I'm going to check in a minute, but I don't think he fits that mold. Maybe he does. Every single one of them, if you look at prior to the draft, the last month or two, it is a straight line up. There is some kind of a rumor. There is some kind of a thing. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, these guys flying, flying, flying up the boards. And the Packers end up being the ones that take them. Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander on March 25th, one month before. You know where he ranked? I said he was a second-round pick. Do you know where his consensus rank was March 25th? He ranked 102nd. He was a third-round pick literally one month before the draft, he was considered a consensus third round pick. He jumped up by April 2nd to 25th. One week later, he goes from 102nd to consensus 25th. Do you know why? Again, the media found out that the NFL was obsessed with this guy, and there's probably a good chance the Packers are one of those teams. And as soon as somebody finds out, you get a guy like, again, Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock is the main guy. He came out with a 
draft or something and said Jair is a first round pick. And all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, dang, like we missed this guy. And suddenly everybody says he's great. So he's suddenly the consensus 25 overall. He ends up consensus 23 overall. We take him earlier than their consensus. Again, Jair is way down in the gut. This is what, listen to me. I'm explaining to you why the Packers get bad grades every single year. This is why. Because the media is behind. That's the bottom line. The Packers are drafting guys that a month ago were third-round picks. That's who they draft. But the fact of the matter is, they're, they're too slow. So it's not the guys that we've been pumping up for, for six months. It's not the guys that we've been putting in mock drafts for, for, for an entire year. It's the guys that we all missed. And the reason they shoot up the last minute is because stuff is starting to get leaked. That and some of these guys who are really, really tied in, they don't do their mock drafts until the last minute. These reports from guys like um, Bob McGinn, they don't come out until like the last week or two. And suddenly you start hearing rumors. And then you got guys, again, Mike, Mike Mayock is now in the personnel stuff, but Daniel Jeremiah, these types of guys, these rumors start coming out. Some of these things are very last minute and that's when things get adjusted. But we as fans don't get adjusted. The fact that Quay Walker shot up the boards last minute, the fact that in the last week we've been hearing this might be the best linebacker in the draft, according to some teams, we, we, we tune that out because we know who the best linebacker is. It's Devin Lloyd. And if it's not, it's N'Kobe Dean. We've known that for six, seven, eight months. We can't change that opinion. But the fact of the matter is this is every single draft pick the Packers make. This is it. And, and again, if we go based on historic data, Jair Alexander was an idiotic pick. He ranked 102nd, 102nd, and we took him in the first round. This is why the Packers get bad draft grades. This is why we're taking third round picks in the first round, except they're not. Again, we look at it from the media perspective first. That's where it starts. That's where it starts with them, and then we read backwards into it. The fact of the matter is the media is just trying to figure out what the teams already know. So once the draft happens, the teams are telling us. So we finally get the information. We learned who the best linebacker was. We just figured it out. But it's hilarious. It's so funny. This is so funny. The media spends all this time, and the fans, by the way, follow. So the, man, the fans follow the media. The media follows the teams. The, the media spends all this time just trying to get a peek at what teams already know. They want to figure it out. They're trying to figure out who the best teams are. And the way that they do that is to, or the, the best prospects are. And the way they figure out that how to do that is to get leaked information from teams. But when the draft starts, they just stop that. Suddenly, we don't care what teams say anymore. And all the information we had five minutes ago is that is the solid information. And every pick that comes in is based on what we learned before. Rather than looking at it and saying, we're about to actually find out who the best prospects are. And so when the Packers take somebody that, again, their arrow is pointing straight up. If we, if we waited in, until the draft uh, next month, if we just postponed it a month, I have no doubt in my mind Quay Walker would be talked about as probably consensus number one linebacker because that's the, the trajectory. But again, we paused it. We paused it. We hit pause and said, nope, that's it. That's all the information. We will not take any more information. So then the Packers come out and they're like, well, you guys were close. You, uh, you had a couple good linebackers there, but Quay is the guy. And the media laughs. Oh, you silly team. You don't know the truth. It's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? This is the truth. And it doesn't mean teams know absolutely, but it's just hilarious how, how, how that whole process goes. That makes no sense. And yeah, I was right. Jordan Love is the, the one prospect that doesn't fit that mold. In fact, he went down. Um, 
his consensus rank March, early March was his highest. He ranked 15th overall, which is also funny because this is clearly fans just hating Jordan Love, saying he was a second-round pick. The guy was basically never a second-round pick. Um, at his lowest, he was like 29th overall. I, if I go all the way back to January 18th, which is as far back as I can go, he was consensus 31. That's the lowest. And then he made it all the way up to 15th overall. By the time the Packers drafted him, he was consensus 25th overall. He was never a second-round pick. But he's, he's like the only guy. And again, Jordan Love broke all the molds because he's a quarterback. Speaking of breaking all the molds, and I know we haven't even started talking about Quay Walker yet, but I, I'm, I'm just going to do it. We're just going to get it out of the way. Ha ha, ha ha ha, ha 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 ha. You bunch of insufferable <laughs> human beings. For months and months and months, I've had to listen as people told me they would never, they would never, they would never, they would never. And I've tried to tell you, there are general rules and there are always exceptions to the rule. But no, they would never. They would never, they would never. Yes, they would. Uh, they would have taken Jahan Dotson if they liked him enough, regardless of his size. They would draft Devontae Wyatt, despite his age, in the first round... If they liked him enough, there are always exceptions to the rule. It's a part of the formula. He got docked for being 24, but again, that's baked into the equation. The question is, as a 24-year-old, as a guy that has some off-the-field concerns, do you still like him enough? And for the Packers, by the way, to answer that question, yes, really tells you how much they like this guy. Because you're right, they don't like 24-year-old players, and they don't like guys with off-the-field issues. They still drafted him, though, didn't they? which tells you he is the exception to the exception to the exception to the exception. If this guy was 21 years old and didn't have a rap sheet, which first of all, the, the first thing I've already told you is if it wasn't for all that stuff, he's a top 10 talent. But the Packers would have happily traded up to, in the top 10 to get the guy. I'm not saying they would have, I'm just saying they would, have, they would have put him in that category and he would have been the 22nd pick and not the 28th pick. But I've been telling you this. I've been trying and pleading with you to understand. I, and then they had a visit with him and everyone's like, well, that's, that's just a decoy. They, they're, they're, that, that's, how, that's all that is. No, it's not. It's not a decoy. It's not smoke and mirrors. They, they brought him in because they want to see if they could possibly draft the guy because there's at least some interest there. Now, it's possible that, as I said, the conclusion was no, but that just goes to show you that they were at least considering it. And I was right, and they did. And so next year, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear too short, too tall, too fast, too fat, too slow, too big, too small, too old, too young, too stupid. I don't want to hear it. These are general guidelines. And again, every single team in the NFL has the exact same guidelines. Everybody would like taller instead of shorter. Everybody would like faster instead of slower. Everybody would like younger instead of older. But you take the best prospect, and some guys break the mold. Jair Alexander is an example. He was too small. We would never draft Jair because he's too small. He doesn't fit the thresholds. The thresholds are so stupid, by the way. We've drafted like four guys at the position ever for, for our, our um, GM. You're, you're, you're telling me what the exact thresholds are based on four picks? You can't do that. Small sample size, dude. That's not how that works. Well, the Packers, if you look historically... Right, go back into the 70s. Okay, yeah, that's, that makes sense. There are general guidelines for every team, and the Packers may be a little bit more strict with their guidelines, maybe. I don't know. Again, too small of a sample size, but I know there are always exceptions to the rule. The rule, though, the main rule is to get the best available player. That is always the rule. 
And that's what also annoys me about the general theory, uh, the, the commentary. That I can't believe the, they didn't take a wide receiver. Why? Well, they need to help Rodgers. Are you that dense? I'm so, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm talking to the national media people that are saying this stuff, but that's, that's, that's shocking to me that you don't know how this works yet. And I'm not just talking about the Packers. I'm talking about every single team, with the exception of a couple that are flat out come out and say, we draft for need. Usually those teams suck. The Packers are taking players that are going to help the team. They're taking the best available player. This is so, I mean, we have to do, do we have to do this every year? That I have to explain to you that the Packers are trying to take freaks. They're trying to get loaded up with just absolute monsters. And they're not going to reach for mid-second round quality when they have guys that are in their top 15 on their board still available because, well, I don't want to go defense. Why did they go linebacker? Are you kidding me? Because he's the best player on their board. It ain't that serious. It ain't that deep, bro. And it was funny, like even the guys asking questions at the meet, do you feel like you have to go wide receiver round two? And everybody, everybody in the world is saying, well, they have to now. I knew Brian Gutekunst's answer. And he's not lying, by the way, when he says, no, I don't feel like we have to. Do you know why? Because he doesn't have to. And he doesn't think he has, he's not lying. I promise you, he doesn't feel like he has to. His objective in this draft is to take the best player available. Now, he may have some added pressure to trade up, no question. But he will take the best player available. I promise you, he will. Now, the good news is, I'm doing this exactly backwards, the good news is I think the talent starts to switch from defense-heavy to offense-heavy, and that's always been the reality. J.J.'s been banging that drum for a long time. It's true. When you're especially looking first round, this is a defensive draft. The wide receivers and all that, there are some talented wide receivers, but but it, there's still a lot of question marks. And, and as we said, the the... NFL overvalues wide receivers. So you saw Jahan Dotson go too early. You saw a bunch of these big question mark guys go probably too early. And the Packers are not willing to, to, to do that much, right? I'm sure they had conversations and they tried to trade up just like every year. But again, as I said, the Packers are not willing to overpay. And that's what they had to do. And because they refuse to overpay, they're probably not going to get a first round pick wide receiver basically ever until we get a new GM because they just don't overvalue. So what are they going to do? The exact same thing that happened with free agency. What happened in free agency? They weren't willing to overpay. So all the teams that are willing to overpay get the first round guys. They get the big money guys. They overpaid. And what do we get? We get the best value. We get a guy that's like, I don't know, 70% of the guys that made $20 million and we paid him $4 million. No, he's not as good. You're right. He's not as good. But we paid him nothing. And it's not, I think it's like up to $4 million. I don't even think it's $4 million. We're paying him nothing. And that's what we're going to do in this draft. We're going to get better value wide receivers. We will at some point. We, we, it might be one. It might be two. It might be one in a tight end. It, I don't know. It might be four wide receivers before it's all said and done. I don't know. If I had to guess, I would say we are trading up in this round to get a wide receiver. That's my guess. But I also thought we were going to trade up in the first round to get a wide receiver, and we stayed and we picked. And to be honest, I wouldn't mind if we end up with 11 players in this draft. Multiple swings is fine with me. But I, I, I do think that's the case. I think we're switching. We're, you're going to see running backs are starting to become valuable. Tight ends are starting to become valuable. Wide receiver is still loaded at this point. I'm talking loaded. Um, still some decent offensive line. I'm not sure about offensive tackle, but there are still some decent tackles. And um, interior offensive line is still solid. The Packers have hit some big players there. Um, and I think some of the other stuff is starting to fall off. The defensive tackles are pretty well dried up. The edge rushers, there's still a couple good ones, and so it's possible we go that direction, but I think that's about to dry up right around the end of the second round. I think that's actually not true. There's some pretty good quality pass rushers in this draft. It's pretty deep at that position as well. 
But um, you got safeties pretty top heavy. They're probably going to dry up real fast. Corners pretty well dried up. And some of these positions are like first round or, or bust positions, right? Edge rusher, cornerback. You got to get them early. Um, also quarterback, by the way, obviously. That's where that's where the value at quarterback is in this draft is in the second round. So I, I do think it's going to switch to offensive uh, in terms of that's where the value is. And that works for the Packers because they're going to take best value. And the value in the first round was defense. And I think it's starting to switch to, to uh, for the remainder of the draft. Tons of tight ends, tons of wide receivers, a good amount of interior offensive linemen and tackles that could probably convert it to guard. Right. And remember, these are Packers guys. These are high athleticism guys, high RAS, toolsy type guys. So, you know, the, the real fast, big wide receivers, the real athletic offensive tackles and guard, the, the uber athletic, um, monstrous um, tight ends. So, I mean, I don't want to get your hopes up, but let's just say Gutekunst has plenty of time to redeem himself. If he ends up with, um, you know, George Pickens, and then, um, you know, let's say he ends up with one wide receiver and then in the third round ends up with, ends up with like Jelani Woods, which was rumored. I, I tend to think all is forgiven. I really do. But um, anyways, ah, geez. Again, I'm kind of going backwards here. There's just, there, there's just so much to say. But if you can't tell, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, I've talked myself into those picks. Obviously, Quay is not my favorite, but but let's just say this, and I guess we're gonna we're gonna talk about the players after because <laughs> I didn't even get there yet. I told you there's just too much big picture stuff to say. Here here is the, here's the biggest thing that gets me excited about Quay Walker. You ready? And again, it always comes down to trust, trusting Brian Gutekunst. But but here's ultimately the thing: if you look at it, the the thing that makes Packer fans the most angry is the thing that should get us the most excited. When we took Quay Walker, look who is available. Tyler Linderbaum was available. We know Tyler Linderbaum is a freak. They like Quay Walker better. Jermaine Johnson was available. They said they would rather have Quay Walker. No question in my mind they love Jermaine Johnson. Quay Walker's better. Devin Lloyd is available. Quay Walker's better. Devontae Wyatt, an absolute freak show, is available. They like Quay Walker better. They're looking at it saying, if we can only get one of these two guys that we love, give me Devontae Wyatt. George Karloftis is sitting there. We know for a fact he checks every single Packers box, every single one, 21 years old, uber athletic. He plays, you know, like 50-50 as outside linebacker, hand in the dirt, super versatile, super strong, good against the run, great pass rusher, every single thing. He is a Packer through and through. I guarantee they looked at this guy and they liked him. They wanted Quay Walker better. Daxton Hill, exact same thing. He went after. You think Daxton Hill doesn't fit the Packers mold? They like Quay Walker better. Lewis Seen, they would rather have Quay Walker. There's still guys that are on the list. George Pickens, they would rather have Quay Walker. Sky Moore, uh, Christian Watson, Trey McBride, um, Bernard Raymond, uh, Zach Tom, Dylan Parham, uh, all the corners. uh, Jalen Petrie is the man's name. Jaquan Brisker, um, Travis Jones, Logan Hall, Arnold Ebicady, Nick Benito, Drake Jackson, Nicobe Dean, Leo Chanel, all these guys, they wanted Quay. What does that tell you about what they think about Quay? And by the way, one final thought here, and this is kind of talking about Quay, but it's big picture, so we'll say it now. You also have to understand, it's not just a matter of generically ranking linebackers, because that's what we do, and that's kind of what the media does. We generically rank them, but when you look at it, and I talked about this with safety a little bit, 
Um, when you look at Lewis Seen compared to Daxton Hill, you can kind of say, well, who's better? But that doesn't really make sense because they're kind of almost different positions. Lewis Seen and Daxton Hill are different guys. Comparing them one-to-one doesn't make sense. And so ultimately what we're asking is, what do you need? And so interestingly enough, I've talked about this on this, this podcast before, thanks to Coach Hawn and Sam Holman. We did a video a long time ago. They were doing what we called Chalk Wars, which was a really fun segment. And I think we need to bring it back um, like real soon, especially now that we got this whole thing figured out with video. We can do some fun stuff. Um, I want to bring that back. That was a fun segment. But one of the things, I don't remember how it came up, but we were talking about guys that could add value. And Sam, who's kind of the defensive guy, and Coach Hawn concurred with this, talked about, and I, I, I think it was something to the effect of saying we don't really need linebacker. And he said, I don't I really think they could benefit from a second linebacker. And, and my kind of follow-up question was, I'm assuming what we need is a complement. In other words, a yin to the yang. We should get a really like small athletic guy, right? So then you've got like your big, strong, great tackler, and then you get your smaller, faster athletic guy. That's kind of how I picture teams wanting things. And both of them, I know Sam for sure, but I believe both of them said, actually, the best thing for the Packers would be to get another Devondre Campbell. Give me another Devondre Campbell. That would be massive for this defense. And I'm going to I'm gonna ask Sam to follow up on that because we need more insights. But I never forgot that. That always stuck in my head because on this podcast, I would, I would talk about it. Like, we need to get kind of a smaller, faster guy. However, Sam says we need another, uh, another Devondre Campbell, which, by the way, Quay Walker's comp is Devondre Campbell. So Sam is exactly right. And the Packers basically just told Sam to his face, you nailed it, dude. They want another Devondre Campbell. They want two side-by-side Devondre Campbells on the team, which, you know what's hilarious to me? PFF, which always hates the Packers picks more than anybody in the world. But here's why it's hilarious to me. PFF, their grades said that Devondre Campbell was one of the best linebackers in football. PFF said Quay Walker was Devondre Campbell. That was their comp for him. PFF said the Packers taking Quay Walker was a bad decision. (laughs) How is this guy comped to one of the best linebackers in football, goes to the team that made him one of the best linebackers in football, and you're looking at that going, that makes no sense. Really, though? How does that make no sense? This guy is Devondre Campbell, and he goes to play next to Devondre Campbell, and you're like, nah, that guy sucks. (laughs) Why? And don't even try to tell me that it's because, well, they, it's because they don't need it. No, it's because you don't like the player. I had somebody on the stream, it was actually Mr. Numberman, who um, is going to be very mad about this today, I can promise you, because the numbers will tell you this was a terrible draft. But we were talking about A.J. Dillon and how the, the PFF guys, I didn't put his, his comment up because I, was, I didn't want to kill the vibe um, with him being upset, but we were talking about how PFF was stupid because they laughed at A.J. Dillon um, because he wasn't a good pick, and he said it was a it doesn't matter that he turned out good. It was a bad process. That may be true, but PFF wasn't mocking the process. They were mocking the player. They mocked him because he wasn't in their top 100. Not because of a process. They're, they're more than happy to do backflips about first round running back. So they weren't laughing at the process. They were laughing at the player. And same here. They're not laughing at the process. They're laughing at the player. And that makes no sense. And again, the media guys and the grade guys are different guys. The media guys are, are ridiculous. And some of them are kind of the same. I mean, they came up from those ranks, but generally they, they don't. And it's almost funny. Some of the media guys, they almost sort of have disdain for their own grades because so much of their commentary runs contrary to the grades and people throw it in their face and they've got like this elitist attitude. Like, yeah, that's PFF. I've had arguments with people that graded for PFF 
about PFF, which I guess isn't a great sign for their grades. But um, yeah, they, they, they just consistently do this. But I thought that was hilarious. They love Devondre Campbell. They said this guy's Devondre Campbell. They don't like this guy. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, um, I did say I wanted to highlight a couple things here um, in terms of people that really did like the pick. And again, the, these are the people who've been on board with the, they've been, they've been trying to scream for a while. Dude, pay attention. Quay is, Quay's legit, man. Quay's legit. A um, couple names so far that I've found. Uh, somebody, Eric Thompson on Twitter said, Greg Cosell loves Quay Walker. Good enough for me. So that's one. Um, Daniel Jeremiah, Zach Cruz posted this. Um, again, Daniel Jeremiah, Jeremiah is maybe like the top guy right now. Uh, Bucky Brooks, Daniel Jeremiah, it used to be, I mentioned his name, I already forgot, I blanked on it, but um, the guy that's now a Raider, or was a Raider, does he have a job there anymore? I don't even know. Anyways, Daniel Jeremiah is like that guy now, as far as like the most plugged in, the most like, you know, he came from a pro personnel kind of background. But he had Dan, uh, Devontae Wyatt as the 23rd best player. Quay Walker was 29th. He had both of them as first-round pick, basically right at the Packers' picks. Flipped, but still exactly in those spots. By the way, he goes on to say the next rated wide receiver, this is Daniel Jeremiah's next best wide receiver, was Sky Moore. He ranks 45th on Daniel Jeremiah's board. So according to Daniel Jeremiah's board, and this isn't everybody's board, there was no wide receiver value. In fact, there is no wide receiver value available right now. So even trading up for a wide receiver at this point would be ridiculous. According to his board, Chris Sims is the guy I was thinking of that I was surprised um, because generally Chris Sims does not like to say nice things about the Packers. Here's what he had to say about Quay Walker. He wasn't the most hyped Georgia linebacker, but he was without a doubt the best one. Top two linebacker in this draft. Speed, length, strength, put in tough positions and thrived. Given all the wide receivers off the board, this was a great pick for the Packers. Again, the people who've been in on this for a long time, that have been paying attention, that have been hearing the hype about Quay Walker, they, they were not surprised by this. We are because we weren't paying it. I wasn't paying attention. Again, I, now that I hear, I've been remembering, like, oh yeah, somebody's been saying, but I just blacked it out, man. I just blocked it out. Anyways, now is as good a time as any to take a break. We, we got to kind of really cover these two guys and, and just look in depth in terms of what people are saying about them. And then again, I, I want to take a little bit of a deeper look at who's available and some of the different options that we have. Again, it doesn't make a ton of sense to try to strategize like what wide receiver they're going to they're gonna take best player available. We can maybe say they will not take linebacker, defensive tackle, quarterback, cornerback, maybe. You know, we can, we can cross a few of these off and then try to go from there and, and take a look. But um, well, that's that's what we'll do, I guess. Um, let's see what we got here. First of all, GoFundMe pinned to the top of my Twitter, Drew and his seizure service dog. Thank you very much to uh, Anonymous Donor for the $20 and Sarah Lynn for the $35 within the last 24 hours. We're at 4,462. Again, uh, Drew did post an update. We got some pictures of the doggies if you want to check that out. If you wouldn't mind donating to his GoFundMe, that would be greatly appreciated. Also pinned to the top of the Packernet podcast Facebook group uh, is my personal um, GoFundMe, which is uh, flying already. We, we might be able to knock this out pretty quick. By the way, there's still time to get this done so that I can use SIS right here, right now, on the, uh, on the draft stream. I can have all this information up, and we can just absolutely kill it. At the very least, immediately after the draft, I can just crush the analysis of these guys. But um, thank you very, very much. In the last day, on top of that $240 uh, donation from Anonymous, 
We got $100 from Mark Brunner, $50 from Greg Burnt, and $20 from Joe St. Peter. We have a $1,500 goal for that, for so that I can uh, get the SIS subscription for college and pro football for the year. It's only a year thing. I know it's insane, but I'm telling you, the data they have is stupid crazy, and I can break down some serious stuff. We are at $580, so we are close to 50% in just like two days. Literally, I created this two days ago. We are almost halfway to the goal, so um, if we can keep pumping that up, man, I, I, I love you guys. It's amazing the amount of support you guys have given me over the years. I hate asking you for stuff like this. I feel like I shouldn't have to, but I just, I can't, I, I want to be able to provide this for you and I can't justify spending my own money on it. It's just too much. You know, I'll, I'll pay for the $300 PFF subscription. I'll pay for the $100. Um, I mean, I've got hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of subscriptions out there. Every single thing that you can think of, ESPN, uh, Go Long Substack, um, both of the contract websites, I've got their premium things which I use very sparingly, but I just, I just, I want to be able to have every, you know, the, even the, the local ones. I've got those subscriptions, pretty much every sports subscription that's, that's out there, I've got it. But this one's just, it's just too much. So I, I am reaching out for help. And again, you guys are always there to help me out. And I, I can't thank you enough for that. So thank you very, very much. But, um, oh, and uh, a modern frontier, get you a box of meat. Uh, what is the promo code? Meat Packer, one word, all caps, get $25 off your order. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's, let's just start. I'm just going to start reading some stuff, man. Uh, we got, we've got a lot of time to cover these guys and really get into the weeds, but let's, um, let's do this because I haven't done it yet. Quay Walker on The Beast. This is the, the um, we've gone through and looked at a lot of these different guys, but Jaquavion Walker goes by Quay Walker, six foot three, 241 pounds from Cordell, Georgia, Crisp County, 21.97 years old. So he hits those um, benchmarks. Um, combine ran four, five, two, two, six, four, 20 yard split, one, five, nine, 10 yard split. His vert was 32 broad jump, 10, two. He did, uh, the, at the pro day, he did the other, um, stuff. So short shuttle four, three, two at the pro day, three cone, six, eight, nine at his pro day, and then 23 on the bench. But here's his background. I'm just going to read everything. I skipped a lot of this stuff for all these other guys because we were going through, but I'm, I'm going to hit every single thing so we know these guys inside and out. Jaquavion Walker grew up in a small town in Cordell in southwest Georgia, two hours south of Atlanta. He started playing football at the peewee level as a quarterback, also played baseball and basketball. As he outgrew his peers, his coaches moved him to the defensive side of the ball as he started to lean towards basketball as his go-to sport. Walker enrolled at Crisp County High, and it quickly became clear that he uh, focused on football. If he focused on football, he could go far. A two-way player as a wide receiver, by the way, I'm going to pause there. He talked about this in his interview. I don't have time to play the interviews today. I'll, I'll try to get some more stuff queued up because I don't. I can't sit and listen and find those those markers, but I will get that. But he talked about how basketball was his thing, and one of the coaches said, you should be playing football, and he actually hated it. He, he came over and he really just did not like it at all. And the coaches could tell. And he, the coaches just convinced him, like, just stick with it, man. I promise you it's going to be worth it. And then they moved him to defense and something kind of clicked. And, and here we are. Um, hopefully he loves it now. A two-way player as a wide receiver on offense and outside linebacker, defensive end on defense. He led Chris County to a 13-1 record in 2016 and finished his junior season with 109 tackles, 19 tackles for a loss, 8 sacks, and 5 pass breakups, adding 11 receptions for 157 yards and 2 touchdowns on offense. As a senior, Walker earned first-team All-State and Under Armour All-American status with 76 tackles, 10 tackles for a loss, 5 pass breakups, with 13 catches for 201 yards and 5 touchdowns at receiver. He also lettered in basketball as a power forward and led the team to a region title in 2017 a four-star recruit out of high school walker was the number two outside linebacker in the 2018 recruiting class number 31 overall and the number six recruit in the state of georgia trevor lawrence was number one justin fields was number two 
He started to receive scholarship offers after his sophomore season and later committed to Alabama the summer before his senior year. However, he backed off that pledge, and many thought Tennessee was his new top team because newly hired head coach Jeremy Pruitt was his main recruiter at Alabama. On signing day, Walker initially put on a volunteer's hat before tossing it away and revealing his Georgia garb. He regrets the theatrics and later called it immature. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool, but that's good of him to to apologize, I guess. He accepted his invitation to the 2022 Senior Bowl. So one of the other things that was pointed out was, and, and again, this is the issue with guys with places like Georgia and places like Ohio State and everything else. It's hard to stand out, and we know they've got a bunch of, of guys over there. So in 2018, he played 14 games. He didn't start one. In 2019, he played 13 games, did not start one. In 2020, he played 10 games, didn't start one. 2021, played 15, started 15. So, I mean, he's got a ton of experience. He played for a great program, but he was still kind of buried a little bit, Um, which again, probably lends itself a little bit to why he wasn't seen as a top prospect. This is kind of out of nowhere. This is his first year as a starter, first year getting a a ton of reps and being like the guy, or, or at least the number two guy at linebacker. So there's that. Um, Looking at his strengths, here's what it says. Large, long-limbed frame and comfortably wears his weight. Rangy and moves well laterally with the open field athleticism to mirror and scrape. Excellent pursuit speed and hits and extra gear to close. Improved mental process to identify his keys and stay on schedule. Leverages the hole with his hands to unwind from blocks and make stops. Stacks at the point of attack and out physicals tight ends. Strong athletic tackler to break down and finish even when off balance. Outstanding length and grip power to lasso ball carriers out of his reach. Doesn't look outmatched athletically when asked to play man uh, coverage versus backs or tight ends. Possessed on the field, but quiet and level-headed off the field. Named a captain for three games in 2021. Was a regular on special teams coverage in college, 542 career snaps. Occasionally lined up in the slot in coverage or on the line as a blitzer. Durable and played in 52 games the past four seasons. So I want to interject a little bit here. Um, If I look over at my big board, um, first of all, when they talk about his ability to take on tight ends, Sam Holman, if you were watching the stream, pulled up a a clip of him handling an uh, an offensive tackle. And not just any offensive tackle, it was Evan Neal. He was playing against Alabama. He was lined up against Evan Neal, one of the biggest, meanest, baddest offensive tackles in all of college football. He grabbed him and threw him out of the way and made the tackle. One of my biggest issues with linebackers, and I've always said I like hard hitters, and I know that's not the way the NFL is going. They want speed. But the great thing is as people get more and more athletic, we're getting guys that have the athleticism and the, and the speed. <laughs> and that Quay Walker is that next evolution. But I always hated it because, you know, yes, they're fast, and yes, they can cover, and man, they can go sideline to sideline. But they just, one thing that drives me nuts is guys that have to run around blockers. I always hated that. They don't even bother trying to engage and, and get into a blocker and shed the blocker. Some guys do that, but, but a lot of these guys, they don't even try. They, they kind of do this thing where they jump back and swipe and try to get around. But you're still going backwards, and then you try to go forwards to make the tackle, and usually you get knocked backwards. This guy took on Evan freaking Neal and threw him and made a tackle. Beyond that, I want to point out, um, looking at my particular big board, and I told you the, the guy is Devondre Campbell. He really is. Um, When I looked at Quay Walker, I've got my big board here and I've got it all color coded so you can see the strengths and the weaknesses. And one thing clearly stood out to me. So I decided to sort by it um, and it was missed tackle grade. So if I sort by missed tackle grade, um, I'm on defensive tackle right now. So that's why I'm very, very confused. By the way, that's I've got some exciting news there as well. 
If you sort by missed tackle grade and we look at, let's just say, the top five guys, you got Brian Asamoah here, 7.4% missed tackles. Channing Tindall, 7.4% missed tackle rate. Kalan Tolson, 6.1%. Damone Clark, 6.1%. So 74 7.4%, 6.1%, 6.1%. Then it drops all the way down to 4.3% Quay Walker, number one. He is the best tackling linebacker in all of football. Does that sound familiar to you? The guy does not miss tackles. And I know that maybe doesn't sound like the most interesting thing in the world, but for a team that has struggled mightily with tackling, we now have a situation that is loaded along the defensive line. Remember, we picked up a guy in free agency, so we've already upgraded our defensive line. And I I told you he's not the greatest defensive lineman in all of football, but still, we have a situation where I think we're going to have a defense that plays a lot of base, right? You got your three defensive linemen, you've got your two outside linebackers, you got your two inside linebackers. Obviously, you're going to have a lot of situations where you're going to have to go into nickel just based on what the offense is doing. But regardless, they're going to be able to play with these two linebackers. And our secondary is so clutch, they're going to be able to handle a lot of the coverage responsibilities. And, and they're so fast, they can cover a ton of ground. Our defensive line is doing is going to do such a great job of eating up the offensive line. So you're not going to have a lot of guys getting up to that next level. And even if they do, these are not tiny guys. These are big, strong boys that can handle their own business. And the bottom line is, if either of these guys get anywhere near you, you're going down. I mean, our, our defensive line is going to be Jerron Reed, and occasionally Dean Lowry, but Jerron Reed, Kenny Clark, and Devontae Wyatt. It's funny because um, we had, I might as well say it, Bukowski was, was saying that, uh, I, I called out Bukowski on the stream yesterday and somebody tattled on me, so it's, it's, it's out in the open now. <laughs> But this is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Somebody ran to Twitter and tattled on me. <laughs> Bukowski was talking about, we're not going to draft guys that are old, so stop it. And I was like, well, I guess that happened. But he also said, this is the best defensive line we've had since, um, once we got Reed, the best defensive line we've had since uh, Mike Daniels was here. That's a silly comment. However, at this point, yes. At this point with Lowry and Reed and Clark and now Wyatt. I think this very possibly could be the best we've seen the defensive line look since the days of Kenny and uh, Mike Daniel. And by the way, that is with the number five ranked pass rusher in all of football, Rashawn Gary. That is with the number 12 ranked pass rusher in all of football, Preston Smith. That is with the number two ranked Devondre Campbell linebacker, number two ranked linebacker in all of football, Devondre Campbell, and a Devondre Campbell clone, only slightly more athletic and, and, uh, whatever, right next to him in Quay Walker. So we have two Devondre Campbells, a, a finally got the, here's the other thing. I understand a lot of people are upset about Quay and all that stuff. We've been begging for better linebackers. We got it. We've been begging and begging and begging and begging and begging beyond begging to get Kenny Clark some help. And they got it. I know we need offensive help. And don't believe me. I'm worried. Coach Hahn was beside himself yesterday. He, he could barely even talk. He was, he was livid. He was almost as mad as Clayton about Roadhouse. I don't even know what happened with Roadhouse. There was some, somebody was talking about Roadhouse. Clayton was inconsolable yesterday because somebody, myself included, I have not seen Roadhouse, but he was he was livid, which was, I mean, it was just hilarious. But anyways, I know it's hyperbole and I know it sounds silly, but there is no reason in the world this isn't the number one defense in football. This is the best defensive back group in football. Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. And that's even with Savage not being everything that we had hoped. Even if he doesn't take that second-year leap in the system. Amos and Savage is still a solid duo when you got the speed and everything else. And and again, 
Sam Holman looked at it and said, Savage certainly wasn't the greatest, but he was better than I think we gave him credit for. He did some really impressive things that I don't think he got credit for just based on his speed. I mean, he's almost like MVS. He's, he's like that speed wide receiver that even if he's not as good as you want him to be, just by virtue of his speed, he does some really special things. But the speed across the defensive back group is ridiculous. We have maybe the best linebacking group. I mean, if, if, if Walker is even half as good as Campbell was and Campbell doesn't just completely fall off, this is by far the best linebacking group in football. And that's kind of a silly thing to say. I don't even know if there's good linebacker groups in football. There's so few good linebackers. To have two is like a thing that very rarely ever happens. The Packers might have it. We have one of the best pass rush duos in football, which again is another rare thing. Who has a good duo? I'm not sure the Vikings do. Again, I don't even know what's going to happen there. One of the best defensive lines. Independently, right? I'm not even talking about the whole package. I'm saying independently, one of the best safety groups. Independently, one of the best cornerback groups. Independently, one of the best linebacker groups. Independently, one of the best pass rushing duos. Independently, one of the best defensive lines. You put that all together, who's got a better defense? Now, they still have to put it together, right? We've done this before in the past where it's like, you know, we've had a... a Defense with all the guys with the high grades, and we still didn't I, probably even rank in the top ten. But you got to remember, this defense, although they they showed flashes and then kind of fell off, we saw what the potential was of this being a number one defense. Shutouts, right? That that game we lost in the playoffs, and granted, we lost because of the offense. So why didn't we do anything with the offense? I get it, but those games showed that this could easily be, without adding anybody, a number one defense. And this team clearly is looking at it saying, we were almost there making this the number one defense. We're going to get there this year. And again, remember, this is number two in the system. So these guys get it now, right? Eric Stokes, second year in the NFL, second year in the system. Jair, Amos Savage, all those guys. Campbell, second year in the system, which he thrived to begin with. But Gary, Smith, Clark, Lowry, all these guys, this is their second year. They're, they're more settled in. They get what they're supposed to do. They get everybody else up to speed. And, and, and by virtue of everybody else being so on the same page and so good at doing their job, it makes everybody else's job easy. The reason Quay Walker is going to have an easy job is because he has freaking Devondre Campbell next to him, Kenny Clark in front of him, Devondre Wyatt, uh, Devontae Wyatt, who he played with already, in front of him. He's got Amos and Savage taking care of him behind him. You got Alexanders, you got Stokes, and you got Razul on the sides of you. Everybody around you is doing their job, and they're doing such a good job. Guys like Quay are going to have an easy job. Devontae Wyatt, who somehow got double teamed at, at Georgia, is going to come here and basically get no double teams. And if he does, good. This guy's getting one-on-one opportunities constantly. Kenny Clark, for the first time in his career, is hardly ever going to see a double team. I don't know who gets double teamed on this. And again, if they stay in base, how are you going to double team? It's five against five. There are no double teams. You got Rashawn Gary with one-on-one opportunities, Preston Smith with one-on-one opportunities, Kenny Clark with one-on-one opportunities, Dean uh, Dean Lowry, uh, uh, Jerron Reed, Devontae Wyatt, one-on-one opportunities. And by the way, we also can blitz these these four three-speed defensive backs. Darnell Savage can blitz, Adrian Amos can blitz, Stokes can blitz, Alexander can blitz. These are guys with four-three speed. Quay Walker can blitz, Devondre Campbell can blitz. The The... Bottom line is the freedom that they have to play whatever they want. The offense can do whatever they want. The, the, the offense has the ability to manipulate the defense and try to put you in packages that make you uncomfortable. The point is the Packers are looking right now and saying, you can't make us uncomfortable. You can't do anything. If we have to pull a linebacker and put in another corner, I don't care. Because our one linebacker is freaking Walker or Campbell, depending on the situation, depending on who the guy is or whatever, we're, we're good with it. 
If you're going to try to put us in base, if you're going to try to, you know, think about Baltimore and how much that made us uncomfortable with what they did with tight ends. The few times that offenses were able to put us in uncomfortable situations we didn't have answers for, we now have answers for. Not to mention we've added additional depth, so injuries aren't even really a question anymore. Injuries at corner were good. Injuries at linebacker were good. Injuries at defensive tackle were good. Maybe not pass rusher quite yet. That would kind of stress us a little bit. Safety also would be kind of problematic, but the depth. So listen, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, and, and, and Coach Hahn was, was essentially saying what I've been saying all along. I think offensive line is our biggest need. I've been saying that since day one. It is our biggest need. We need it. We need it. We need it. And here's what I think we also established. There was kind of a question of, are we going to just put Elton Jenkins over at tackle and, and that's just the way uh, that we're going? Or could we possibly keep... That's a done deal. Those are our tackles. Now what we need help with is guard. We have a left tackle. We have a right tackle. We have a center. We have a guard that we like. We're really just trying to fill one guard spot. Now, granted, I would love better upgrades across the board. I would love to get two better guards. But at the end of the day, and granted, we have some injuries and, and we don't know when Elton's coming back. But at the end of the day, that is our offensive line and it's not the worst offensive line. And we can still head on a really good guard. And if we do, we have David Bakhtiari at left tackle. We have John Runyon at left guard. We have Josh Myers at center. We have Elton Jenkins at right tackle and a new guard sitting right there. And that's assuming they don't even want John Run- or, or, excuse me, Royce Newman there anymore. And we know how the Packers are. The Packers are always higher on their guys than fans are. They see Josh Myers and they're like, dude, this guy's going to be a stud. Just wait. Give him time. They see John Runyon and they're like, we love that guy. He does a great job. And he does, in a sense, right? I mean, as a, uh, as a pass blocker, 72 overall grade, he was the 20th best in, in all of football. His run blocking was pathetic and that sucks. But um, are they going to bail on one of the better pass blockers in football? No. And so again, we've, we've got our tackles settled. We have our center settled. And it, from their perspective, maybe they think left guard is settled. So yeah, would they like to upgrade right guard? Sure. But one round is done and we're not going to reach on a guard when guys like Quay Walker and guys like Devontae Wyatt are sitting there. Just like we're not going to reach on wide receiver, although they would love to add a wide receiver. No question. So um, we still have to get to Devontae Wyatt. I haven't even talked about him yet. I, I can't get off the big picture, man. I can't help it. I'm a big picture person. But I think that's where we're at. And again, it's one round down. We don't need to panic. You know, I I can't make any promises because we know the Packers are not going to reach. We know the Packers are going to take best player available. Is it possible they go defense again? Of course it is, depending on their board. Um, But there's plenty of time for him to be the hero. If you get a guard, a wide receiver, and a tight end, I, I, you know, I I know everybody's saying, especially since we, we didn't do, um, we didn't do a first round guy. We probably need at least two wide receivers. I don't know if the Packers agree. I don't know if it matters, but I, I would be stunned if we don't come away with a, a wide receiver today, um, I, 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 I mean, if, if, if we don't end this with a guard, a wide receiver, and a tight end at some point, I'd, I'd just be kind of stunned, to be honest with you. And granted, that doesn't mean they're going to be good, but be patient. I, I would be willing to bet money we're going to get at least two wide receivers. I would bet, you know, it, probably one today. And then one later, and nobody's going to like that. Nobody's going to say that's good enough. But remember, they have Randall Cobb. They like Randall Cobb. They have Alan Lazard. They love Alan Lazard. They brought in Watkins. And despite the fact that every fan says this guy's a washed up bum, maybe you're right. I don't know. He's a 28-year-old guy who is extremely talented, but he has obviously some injury issues. But he's going to be on a snap count, right? Because we got the rookie. We've got Cobb. We've got Lazard. We've got Amari Rogers. We're going to mix it up. We're going to make sure that Watkins isn't the the guy we're leaning on because you can't lean on him he's pretty fragile but you put him out there situationally you put him out there in in optimal situations with the pack which is what the packers specialize in that's what they do that's what devondre campbell is 
We're going to put you out there in situations to succeed. That's what we do with our tight end. We have a bunch of different tight ends. We're going to put you out there to do that thing, that one thing that you do really well. I bet we're getting a tight end and I bet he's going to be a freak because that's all there is. There's like 50 of them. <laughs> They're all freaks in, in one way or another, including guys like Isaiah Likely, who his testing was terrible. I'm telling you, the dude is, the, 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 the testing is lying. But give Gutekunst the opportunity to really get this thing ramped up, okay? If Randall, if, if, excuse me, if Aaron Rodgers can sit back and relax and be like, hey man, defense wins championships, we got plenty of time, I'm not worried, I think we should be able to do that. Granted, I think he's kind of at the point where he's like, I don't really care anymore, I've given up. <laughs> but still, we should be at that point where it's like, let it go, man. Get excited about what is. We just solidified the best defense the Packers have had, I mean, as far as potential since the 90s, right? Um, I don't, you know, we, we don't have Charles Woodson on the team, but we've got so much potential here, man. And the Packers have proven, right? Again, you look back at last year, the, 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 the light was flickering on and off. But um, you also have to remember, who was it? Somebody posted recently, and Sam talked about this on the stream as well. And again, I want to get him on to kind of elaborate further on what the defense is going to look like going forward. But one of the things that was pointed out, let's see if I can find it so I can give credit. I think it was, well, let me, let me find it. Yeah, so Sam commented, I brought this very thing up. Uh, Quay can be a do-it-all weapon in nickel was his comment. But uh, Jacob initially retweeted this from Justice Mosqueda. Um, he says, remember, they tried to run Penny stuff, five defensive linemen uh, slash outside linebackers, one inside linebacker early in the season with Campbell. Then they brought in Jalen Smith to try to get back into nickel. Didn't work out and went back to Barnes in nickel. Expect a normal two defensive linemen, two outside linebacker, two inside linebacker, nickel look in 2020, in my opinion. That's kind of the larger point. This is what we wanted to do last year. We couldn't make it work because we didn't have the linebacker we needed. And we tried to go out and get Jalen Smith to see if he could help us to get to that point. He wasn't good enough. So we had to play suboptimally. We had to play the defense that we didn't want to play. This gives us the opportunity to play the style of defense we want. And again, there's nothing the offense can do to take us out of it because we have the personnel to run whatever we want, however we want, whenever we want, and you can't do anything about it. And again, you know, they, they had some bad games. Obviously, week one was, was brutal, uh, but it wasn't just that. Week 18 against uh, Detroit, we gave up 37, uh, 34 to Minnesota. We gave up 30 to the Bears, which is an embarrassment. We gave up 30 to the Ravens. We had no answer for that. That's not good. Uh, 28 to the 49ers, 28 to the Rams, right? Those are the bad games. And those are the teams that put us in situations we couldn't do anything about. However, here's the rest of the year. And this is most of the year. 22 to the Bengals, 22 to the Browns, 21 to the Cardinals. All the rest of the games are less than 20. I can't remember the last time the Packers had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games at less than 20 points. 17 to the Lions, 17 to the Steelers, 14 to the Bears, 13 to the Chiefs. That game was crazy, by the way. No Aaron Rodgers. No ability to keep our own offense on the field. We still only gave up 13 points. We almost won that game. Again, we were one pass away. If, if Jordan Love throws the ball a little bit better, it ends up being a touchdown instead of a pick. It's 14-13 instead of 7-13, and we somehow win that game with Jordan Love. San Francisco 49ers, we lost the game 10-13. We only gave up 13 points. Washington football team. 10 points. Minnesota Vikings, 10 points. And Seattle, zero. Six games. Six games under 15 points. Eight games under 20. That's unbelievable. 
So again, there were a lot of really bad games, but if you turn these bad games into good games, in other words, let's stop having so many bad games and let's have more of these good games, easily, number we, sh- we were the number one defense in football several weeks. We just also were a garbage defense several weeks, and, and it kind of averages itself out to be like, meh, they were average. But that doesn't really give the full story, does it? No, we were either elite or we were trash. And the point is, we are now in a situation where we can be elite all the time, at least ideally. That's the plan. Anyways, we're an hour in. We have not talked about uh, Devontae Wyatt yet. Let's quickly do that. However, let me quick read the uh, summary of Quay Walker before we move on. A one-year starter at Georgia, Walker played uh, the money linebacker position in former defensive coordinator Dan Lanning's 3-4 base scheme after playing outside linebacker and defensive end in high school. He moved inside when he arrived at Athens and struggled initially, but he showed improvement each season and was a key member of Georgia's 2021 championship winning defense. With his lateral twitch and movement skills, Walker has outstanding mirror skills versus the run, which by the way, that's... I'm not great with ter- terminology, but I know exactly what that means after just watching him. It's, it's amazing. And the speed that he has to run laterally is ridiculous. He doesn't like turn toward the sideline and sprint to the sideline to catch guys. He faces the person and he runs laterally and he stays right in front of them. And then as soon as he ha- he gets past like where all the, <laughs> the offensive blockers are, he just tackles the guy. It's, it's, I mean, it, he just basically runs right along the line of scrimmage and brings you down at the line of scrimmage and that's it. And again, by running, I mean just like strafing. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, he uses his long arm to punch himself off blocks or lasso ball carriers out of his reach. Although he doesn't have the statistical resume of a playmaker, he has the high batting average as a tackler, and his traits and trajectory suggest his best football is ahead of him. Overall, Walker is still developing his instincts, especially in coverage, but he aces the eye test with his exceptional combination of size, length, and athleticism to dominate versus the run. He has the potential to be a four-down impact linebacker in the NFL. And again, this is one of the best parts about this. 21 years old, what do we say? One of the best things, and this is not true with Devontae Wyatt. That's the risk. But the benefit here is that he's young, he's still developing, and his best football is ahead of him, and he's in the best possible situation. Again, Devondre Campbell, I bet Quay Walker fails in a lot of systems. I bet he does, because Devondre did. Quay Walker succeeds here. This is where he needs to be. And he learns from the guy that succeeded here, Devondre Campbell, right? There is no better situation for Quay Walker. I mean, he, he is a 21-year-old Devondre who doesn't have to make the same mistakes Devondre did, right? He, he doesn't have to go to all these places and be told he's a terrible linebacker and get mocked and laughed at and told he's a scrub until he finds out where he fits and all that stuff. He can go to Green Bay with a defensive coordinator that understands exactly what his role is supposed to be. He's a linebacker guy, obviously but also can learn from Devondre and be like, look, this is who you are. You're me. Let me just tell you how this works and let me tell you what you're good at and everything else. And by the way, he's better than Devondre. In terms of his athleticism and everything else, he can do that extra stuff. So he has to develop that as well. But in the meantime, if he's just another Devondre for now until he learns to be a better coverage guy and everything else, aw shucks. Moving on to Devontae Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt, six foot two, three oh four, twenty-four years old. I think we may have read this. I, I, I would assume we had to have. So I don't know if I want to do it again. We might as well. Let's do a refresher. Devontae Wyatt, who uh, has two older brothers, was born and raised in Atlanta suburbs. So, I mean, he grew up very close to where Quay Walker did, very near Atlanta. Spent his childhood playing multiple sports. He enrolled at Towers High in Decatur and was a four-year letterman on the football team. As a freshman and sophomore, Wyatt bounced between tight end, running back, and linebacker as the coaches tried to best utilize his size and speed. He moved to the defensive line as a junior and totaled seven sacks, adding four touchdowns on offense as a tight end. As a senior, Wyatt earned Class 3A first-team All-State honors. Wyatt also lettered in wrestling and track at Towers, participating in the discus, shot put, and 100-meter dash. Again, I love wrestling defensive linemen. 
A four-star defensive tackle recruit out of high school, Wyatt was the number 17 defensive tackle in the 2017 class and the number 27 recruit in the state of Georgia. He put his name on the recruiting map as a junior, especially after a clip of him running a sub-11 second 100-meter dash went viral on the internet. Now I remember reading this, but that's fine. The summer after his senior year, he attended South Carolina camp and committed to the Gamecocks. However, Wyatt flipped to his home state of Georgia after they offered him a few months later, becoming the first in his family to go to college and the second player from Towers to play football for the Bulldogs. Despite signing with Georgia, his test scores fell short of requirements and he was forced to enroll at Hutchinson Community College in Kansas. Wyatt posted 30 tackles and three sacks over 11 games in 2017. His four-star JUCO, uh, a four-star JUCO recruit, he didn't waver from his Georgia commitment and joined the football team in December 2017. Wyatt took advantage of the extra year of NCAA eligibility caused by COVID and returned for his fifth season in 2021. He accepted his invitation to the 2022 Senior Bowl. Here's what it says about his strengths. Quick off the ball with outstanding speed for his size. Rushes with bend in a variety of swim moves. Scrapes laterally to plug gaps and make plays up and down the line of scrimmage. Closes like a locomotive ready to come off the tracks. Run, uh, strong run fits, attacking the blocker's shoulder and powering to the run lane. Solidly built and plays with adequate length and hand size. Holds his ground at the point of attack and doesn't get bullied. Has a knack for unwinding and, un- and blocking and locating the ball carrier. Competes through the whistle, and several of his plays on tape were a result of a nonstop effort. Chases from the backside and always in pursuit. That Some of his highlights, by the way, are chasing quarterbacks and catching them. I mean, if you watch his high, there were there were two of the plays, and there's maybe like 20 plays in a highlight video. Two of them were catching quarterbacks from behind, which is hilarious. Uh, sound awareness and quickly, uh, too quickly locate screens or find passing lanes. Blocked a field goal as a senior. His level of play consistently increased throughout his college career. Overall summary. A two-year starter at Georgia, Wyatt played mostly over the B-gap as a three-technique in former defensive coordinator Dan Lanning's 3-4 base scheme, also seeing snaps at, at nose tackle. He led all Georgia defensive linemen in tackles the last two seasons and took advantage of an extra year of eligibility, which, by the way, pause. How ridiculous is that? Do you, do you realize the 450-pound, I'm exaggerating, monster that was on this team? He got more tackles than that guy? That's stupid. Enjoying his most complete season in 2021. With his athletic traits, Wyatt can win in different ways off the ball, displaying initial quickness, lateral range, and chase down speed. In the run game, he understands how to leverage gaps and find the ball carrier, although he would benefit from becoming a better finisher. Overall, Wyatt needs to play with better control and play recognition. By the way, pause, don't know if I care. Uncontrolled aggression in a system that is just a bunch of really in-control guys to just let him, just let him loose. I don't know that I hate that. And, and Kenny's even talked about that. You know, there, there's an element to this defense of just letting guys make play. You know, whereas Mike Patton was a little bit more, you need to stay right in your lane. You stay in your assignment. You do your job. And then and then everything will just work out. You know, Kenny's talked about, you know, it, it, it's kind of a controlled recklessness in a way. Um, understanding when you're, you're able to make plays and when you need to kind of stay home and, and be responsible. But there is an element of just recklessness in this defense. And that that's that's allowing guys to go and make plays. And so this is a guy that can absolutely thrive in that, obviously. The question is, can he kind of learn when and how and all that stuff? But um, giving him maybe a little bit more leeway to just be a freak because that's what he is. And maybe, you know, leaning on everyone else to be a little bit more assignment sound so that he can just be a freak. I don't know that I hate that. Um, Continuing, but he fires off the ball and competes with speed and effort to make impact on all three downs. Wyatt has NFL starting skill and is the best three technique tackle in this draft class. He had him ranked 23rd overall. By the way, for what it's worth, on my defensive tackle big board, um, Devontae Wyatt was my number one defensive tackle. Um, and, and again, all my big board is is taking everything into account. So if we go, 
Um, thing by thing here, I guess. Devontae Wyatt, number one overall defensive grade out of 61 defensive tackles. He ranked number one with an 89.8 overall defensive grade. He actually tied with Neil Farrell Jr. Um, in that category. Run defense, he ranked eighth, which maybe doesn't sound good, but it is when you're talking about 61 defensive tackles. He's the eighth best run defender. And again, he's not even a run defender. Neil Farrell, who is just a pure nose tackle out of LSU, freak run defender. He's number one, right? Travis Jones is number three. These are the 340-pound nose tackles. Devontae Wyatt is not that guy. He's one spot ahead of Jordan Davis as a run defender as far as his PFF grade is concerned. Very similar grade, but he's ahead of him. His pass rush grade is sixth, sixth highest pass rusher of all the defensive tackles. He does rank 26th in his missed tackle grade, which again isn't great, and that's kind of what was alluded to here is that he needs to be a slightly better finisher, whatever. Um, he ranks 13th in his pressure percentage. Remember, uh, this, this is the pressure percentage I use, so 10% is good enough. 15% is psychotic, 20 is is basically something that only happens in college. He is sitting at 17%. Uh, again, generally that's not going to translate into the NFL, but 17% is extremely high. And actually that's based on, um, well, it doesn't matter. Um, where is he at? 17th overall in pass rush productivity, which is, um, again, their metric based on, or excuse me, that's win percentage. Uh, 21.8% of the time he beats the guy in front of him. So there you go. And again, one of the more surprising things is that he's, he's largely going to be seen as a pass rusher, not a run defender. That's not the case. Stop percentage. What percentage of the time do you make a tackle that is a negative play for the offense? He ranks fourth, one spot behind Jordan Davis. The, the ranking is Noah Ellis, number one, Curtis Brooks, number two, Jordan Davis, number three, Devontae Wyatt, number four. Fourth best in stop percentage. Um, he's sitting at 11.5%. I guess to put that in co context, seven guys in the NFL were at that level. Um, Jeffrey Simmons is 11.5%. Tyler Lancaster was our highest at 9.2. Kenny Clark is at 9.1. Obviously, as far as his RAS grade, um, he ranks third. There's Jordan Davis, then Thomas Booker, and then Devontae Wyatt. By the way, he also ranks quite well in average depth of target. Um, his average depth of target, he ranks 13th of all defensive tackles. 1.3 yards is where he is. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, you could argue he's a better run defender than pass rusher if you wanted to, but it doesn't matter. The guy's just phenomenal across the board. Um, underrated run defender is what I would say. So we are already way over, but I can't not talk about the uh, upcoming draft. Can't do it. So we're just going to run through a couple of these guys here. Uh, this is We're just going to go based on PFF. I mean, you, you could use whatever you want. They've got a, a simple list here of the 100 best players available. So we're going to kind of rip through these guys and just take a quick look. Um, and again, we can kind of skip a few of these, but I just want to give my thoughts. So first of all is Bernard Raymond. I'm, I'm personally going to say I think we're out on this. Um, I could be wrong. And if we do get Bernard Raymond, again, most people think he's too old. Uh, the Packers agree. They don't like old guys, but everybody... Can, there's always an exception to the rule. I don't think they're going to do it, but if they did, again, it solves a lot of problems. Raymond, right tackle. Bakhtiari, left tackle. Elton Jenkins, guard. We already have a guard, and we already have a center. The offensive line is essentially settled. We can go out and get more guys and have them compete, and I'm all for that. But I think from the Packers' perspective, one more solid guy, we're done. Tackle or guard. 
I don't think it's Raymond though. I think we're kind of out on tackles. I'd, I I could I could be completely wrong. I just don't think there's a ton of really great tackles available. Guard, however, especially interior, and we can hit guys second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. So it, it becomes less likely, but it's certainly a thing that can happen. Number two, Nicobe Dean. Again, I think we're out on linebacker. Sky Moore, wide receiver. I like Sky. I don't know that it's the best necessarily the best option. Just because I, 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 I'm worried, and I hate to even say it, because again, I said this about Justin Jefferson. I'm worried he's too one-dimensional. He's really, really, really good at like one thing. You know, and I don't know that he's really that that more well-rounded guy that we want. Um, cornerback Andrew Booth, again, I tend to think we're out on that. Travis Jones, I think we're out on that. George Pickens, you know he's my guy. And to be honest, I thought we were out on George Pickens for the same reason I thought we were out on Devontae Wyatt. I didn't think they would be okay with the character concerns. And granted, George Pickens' concerns are different. They've done a lot of homework on George Pickens. I don't know what their conclusion is. Their conclusion on Devontae Wyatt is we trust that he will, that this will be a different thing. Um... I don't know what their conclusion on Maybe they met with George Pickens or they talked with him and they've done a lot of homework and they're like, I don't, I don't like it. There's also the ACL concern and everything else. But the point is, I think he checks all the the other boxes. And if we get George Pickens, I'm 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 set, man. Get get me a guard, get me a tight end, and I don't care about the rest of those. I don't care about anything. I care about nothing. Malik Willis, no thanks. Jalen Petrie, um, you know, I I I mentioned it on the stream. I don't really understand the Daxton Jalen Petrie thing to the Packers I I mean I get it in terms of getting another safety would be kind of cool but in terms of what they want to run what do you do with him he's primarily a slot guy right and they they list him as a corner and everyone's confused by that it's because he played the majority of his snaps as a slot I think most people refer to these guys as safeties because they're safety slash slot guys and generally they're considered uh, safety but when the majority of your snaps are at corner they're going to call you a corner but the the assumption I think going forward is that Jair is going to be a slot guy. What do we do with Jair if we go out and draft a slot guy? You know what I mean? So I don't think, not saying we don't get a safety, I just don't know that that's the thing that we're going to do. Um, Arnold Ebicady absolutely could be in on Arnold Ebicady or any of these pass rushers. I think that's somebody to keep an eye on. We, As I said, I love our defense. We're lacking depth off the edge. I know that's not everybody's favorite thing, but they're going to take the best player available. And if Arnold Ebicady is there and available and they love him, they're going to take him. I don't know that they do. I'm just saying. Leo Chanel, again, I think we're out on that. Nick Benito, another edge rusher, again. And I told you this is going to be offense heavy, and I'm reading a bunch of defenders, but I promise you they're they're coming. Uh, Nick Benito, same thing. And, and again, most of these guys I think we're out on. Uh, Leo Chanel, linebacker. Uh, Benito, definitely an option. Jaquan Brisker, I think, is more of an option because he's more of a true safety. Again, I would guess not, but it's an option. Uh, Drake Jackson, edge rusher, Josh Pascal, edge rusher, Boye Mafi, edge rusher. Man, PFF is just making me out to be a liar right now, but th- this is their rankings. They apparently are not super high on the wide receivers, but a lot of edge rushers. And and so it's kind of funny. I think the second round, I've been saying for a while, I don't really buy what people have been saying. I think the second round might go similar to what everybody thought the first round was going to be. Wide receiver, edge rusher. I think it's very possible that's what we're looking at. And I would not be mad about that. But if you look at, and again, I don't know how many of these guys they like, but Drake Jackson, Jackson, Josh Pascal, Boye Mafe, Nick Benito, uh, Arnold Ebicady. Again, there's a lot of edge rushers that are sitting here, um, which is the one threat to us getting the guy that we want. Uh, linebacker Brian Asamoah, again, I think we're out on that. 
tackle Abraham Lucas. I don't think they like him. I could be way off on that. I just don't think it's a fit. Um, edge rusher David Ajabo. Again, another edge rusher. Linebacker Troy Anderson, I think we're out. Good look. Would you guys stop? This is ridiculous. Edge rusher Kingsley Enigbare. I mean, I get it, but come on. <laughs> I shouldn't have used PFF. They love these guys. Uh, but yeah, Enigbare is another guy. Uh, quarterback Matt Corral. Wide receiver Jalen Tolbert. Running back Kenneth Walker. Running back Brees Hall. Now we're getting there. Now we're starting to ramp it up. Uh, Tolbert absolutely is a guy we didn't talk about enough, but some people are super high on him. And again, with all these wide receivers, it kind of is less about just give me a linear board and more about what are you looking to accomplish with a wide receiver? What do you want them to be able to do? How can they reshape your offense? If we know the answer to that, we know what wide receiver they like. I don't know the answer to that. Tight end, Trey McBride. Yes, sir. Give me all of that. Safety, Nick Cross. Again, maybe. Tackle, uh, Luke Gadecki. Maybe. Linebacker Chad Muma, we're out. Tackle Zach Tom. Again, now we're rolling with, and, and and again, there are a lot of tackles here. And Zach Tom, although I think Zach Tom is going to be a guard, if I'm completely honest with you. He's like, I think he's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, I think he's one of those super athletic, super talented tackles the Packers are going to look at. I, To be honest, I'm, I'm putting a circle around that guy. That, that makes some sense to me. I think he is an extremely talented, underrated tackle. And I think he probably fits best as a guard, and the Packers love that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that. Jamari Salyer, another guy tackle that probably goes to guard, uh, Georgia guy. So, I mean, why not? Hey, give me Salyer. Give me George Pickens. Let's just, let's just run the gamut, dude. Let's do it for Georgia boys. I'm all for it. Dylan Parham guard. So again, now we're getting into more offense. Carson Strong. I think we're out. Marcus Jones, cornerback. Again, I don't think we're doing that. Although slot guy, great special teamer. Tight end, Greg Dulcich. Uh, Brian Cook, safety, Logan Hall, defensive tackle, Kirby Joseph, safety. Then we get John Mechie, Christian Watson. Um, John Mechie, an, another sort of underrated guy. He kind of gets pushed down, like, you know, not as exciting as guys like Christian Watson, or whatever. Some people are obsessed with this guy. Um, super talented. I think he is a little bit more well-rounded, which is nice. I haven't honestly put a ton of work into him just because I kind of fell for that as well. Like, nah, nobody really seems to like him. He's not as cool as the cool guy. But really, I think those are the guys that I'm going to end up liking because everybody likes the guys who are really good at one thing. I like the guys that are pretty good at everything. That's just my thing. I, I get, give me the well-rounded guys at wide receiver. That's my thing. Christian Watson, obviously, I'm I'm not out on him. JJ would be pretty furious, but um, you know, I get it. I'm I'd be concerned, but I I you can't not get excited about the potential. I mean, you can, but I I would be excited about it. I don't think they will. But um, by the way, I had a dream. I'm trying to remember who it was. I had a dream we traded up for a wide receiver. It's entirely possible it was a guy that doesn't even exist. But I think it was somebody. Oh, you know what? I know exactly who it was. We traded up for Wandale Robinson. That's what we did in my dream. And I remember being shocked because it's like, that does not seem to fit, but I guess okay. Traded up in the second round for Wandale, which is pretty funny. Um, DeMarvin Leal, maybe. I hope not. Not a fan. Uh, tackle, Kellen Deesh. Makes sense. Edge rusher Cameron Thomas, again, could possibly happen. Darian Kennard, tackle. Donovan West, interior guy. Dominique Robinson, edge rusher. Kyle Phillips, wide receiver. Alex Wright, edge rusher, guy I really like, has come in to visit uh, the Packers. Um, Calvin Austin, wide receiver. Tackle Max Mitchell. Tackle Sean Ryan, probably a guard. Um, edge rusher D'Angelo Malone. Edge rusher Sam Williams. Cam Jurgens, interior guy. So, Lots and lots and lots and lots of people that are uh, available to us that can still be really, I mean, Alec Pierce. Packer fans are just going to be doing backflips if we get Alec Pierce, and I would too. Danny Gray, SMU wide receiver. Romeo Dobbs, however you say his name, wide receiver. Some people are obsessed with that guy. Khalil Shakir, 
Marquise Hayes, offensive line. Luke Fortner, center. Jelani Woods, the big, massive, freakish tight end. Guy that I haven't been super high on, but again, you can't not get excited about the potential of a guy like that. And apparently, rumors are Packers really like the guy. We've heard third round. Who's to say they don't go the second pick in the second round? It feels like a Packers thing to do because it would be considered a massive reach, and the Packers love that. I mean, it's it's A.J. Dillon all over again, right? He is a He's an absolute freak that shouldn't have been picked maybe even in the third round. That's what PFF will say anyways. He's not even on our board. Tight end James Mitchell, Taxton, uh, tackle Braxton Jones, tackle Logan Bruss, a um, couple more safeties, Jeremy Ruckert, tight end, Samir White, running back, Josh Williams, interior guy, tackle Nicholas Petit, or, uh, Nick Fire, as I call him, run, def- uh, run block and freak, tackle Rashid Walker, wide receiver David Bell that people are obsessed with. He didn't test well, but obsessed with. If you If you were looking for a... Just Devontae Adams guy, not a tester, but just a, a great receiver, David Bell. Uh, Wandale Robinson, opposite end of that spectrum. Kevin Austin, uh, you know, testing freak. Um, tackle Matt Willetsko. So that's that's the end. Obviously, there's other defenders in there too, but so many, so many, so many, so many, so many, so many, so many guys. And I'm sure one of the guys we pick will not be on this list because that's how the Packers roll. But um, again, it's just day two, and we have another day after this to go out and get guys. We have guys starting on our on our team right now that were picked after day two that are starting on our team, especially along the offensive line. That's a common thing the Packers do. But, um, again, spend the day getting excited about this defense. Just get excited about it. Um, again, the, the Quay Walker thing was big. Not from a he's the best player in the world standpoint, from a this defense has now got the final piece, right? It's, it's sort of like that... Uh, Oh man, I'm gonna try to do something stupid here and and make a uh, make a Marvel reference, but it's like those stones, you know, the Infinity Stones. Trying to get that last stone. He's the last stone, man. And now that the Packers got that last stone, they're gonna kill everybody. <laughs> they're just they're just going to kill everybody. I know that's not exactly how that works, but it's pretty close. He's the he's that he's the yellow one that goes right in the middle, right? That's the thing I think. Quay Walker's that yellow stone. He's the final piece. We have scoured literally the universe for this final piece and we got it somebody make me a graphic put it on a t-shirt done deal we, we got to get rocking with these t-shirts by the way man t-shirts and memes we got to get it going anyways speaking of get going i got to get going um probably the longest podcast i've ever done but um i'm beyond excited boys and girls and please do not miss the stream it'll be on twitter it'll be on facebook it'll be on youtube and and please don't send me a message saying send me a link because i'm not going to do it i have way too much going on find it Go to you. Just listen to me right now. Go to YouTube. All right. Go there. Y-O-U-T-U-B-E.com. Type in Packernet Podcast. You will see my page pop up. Subscribe to that page. Hit the bell and you will get a notification. When you get the notification, you click it, it'll bring you right there. If you don't want to do that, go to Twitter, T W I T T E R dot com. Type in um, Pack Daddy or Packernet or something. Pack underscore Daddy. That's me. Follow me hit the bell notification. It'll give you notifications whenever I tweet things. When I go live, it will tweet, and it will tell you. And then you click on that notification, it'll take you to the stream on Twitter. If you don't want to do that, dot com. that'll take you to Facebook. Packernet Podcast. Go to the page. Not the group, although I'm going to share it in the group too, so if you want to do that, that's fine, but go to the page. Follow that page. You should get a notification. I think you can turn on notifications on Facebook too. I don't know. You should get a notification on Facebook. 
the, the notifications, there's a little like globe thing with red numbers. Click on that. The notification will be me streaming. Click on that. It'll take you to the stream. If you don't see that, I'm going to share it in the Facebook group, in the Draft Facebook group, and the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. I'm not going to send you a link. I'm not doing that. I cannot listen to 500 people saying, hey, send me a link. I'm not doing that. I'm not trying to be mean, but guys, I'm telling you, I, I cannot make this any easier to find the stream. All right? So don't ask. I've given you thorough instructions. Do all three of those things, and you will not miss the stream. Okay? You will see it instantly. You will get a notification like that. And you'll be the first to know, and you can click on it, you can be there, you can comment, you can do all the fun stuff with us. But um, don't miss it. Anyways, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.